Welcome to the All-American Chapel Protestant Service Podcast. This week's sermon will be given by Chaplain Andy Anderson. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your, your love and allowing us to be totally devoted to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, All-American Chapel. Glad to be back with you. Have you ever noticed how forgetful we become the older we get? I don't know about you, the older I get, the more it seems like the worse my memory gets. And I remember about five years ago, I got put on a medication and it said short-term memory loss was one of the side effects. And I was like, oh man, I'm done. (laughs) I'm just done because I can't remember anything. Some of us, even worse, sometimes we have this tendency to edit our memories. Did you know that? Did you know we edit our memories? We have this thing called selective hearing. I was recently in Afghanistan, and every time I go overseas, I choose not to wear a watch, which is a bad thing when you have a bad memory. But I choose not to wear a watch because it may sound silly to you, but it makes the time pass quicker for me personally, okay? But since I don't wear a watch, I didn't have the date on my arm, and September 11th came and went, and I didn't even notice it. I didn't even notice that a day like September 11th, when so many people died, a day that has cost America 24 hundred lives in one country in Afghanistan, 2,400 lives and still counting. It just came and went. It's a significant day. In New York City, there is a giant visible reminder of the significance of that day. And when we look at that memorial, we are reminded of a couple of things. We're reminded of a terrible act. We're reminded of the deaths of innocent people. And we're reminded of the courage and the sacrifice of so many people since that time. And when we remember those things, we are encouraged to press on and complete the mission. In the same way, sometimes we forget the significance of what God has done in our lives. We forget his faithfulness and all of the wonderful things he has done for us. We forget how many promises he's fulfilled. We forget how many prayers he's answered. We forget how forgiving he is to us every day of our lives. We forget that. And we forget these things, these important things, things that we should remember because in the same way that that visible reminder in New York City encourages us to press on and finish the mission, in the same way when we remember the faithfulness of God, it encourages us to be faithful. Well, we're not the only ones who are forgetful. The Israelites were forgetful too. 
They often forgot the faithfulness of God and it caused them to wonder, to go astray from the Lord, to live in disobedience rather than obedience. So we face the same dilemma that they face. So what do we do? How do forgetful people, how do people who forget something so great as Jesus dying on the cross for their sins. How, how could we forget how great that is? How, how do people who forget those things remember the faithfulness of God? Well, Joshua chapter 4 is going to give us the answer today. Now, if you're there, at first glance, Joshua chapter 4 seems very much like Joshua chapter 3. In fact, we didn't read some of the verses because, believe it or not, the wording is actually almost identical in places. So why did the writer... There he is. So why did the writer take time to rewrite about the event again? Why would the writer, after already he's, he's clearly articulated the event in chapter 3, why is he now writing about the event again? Well, chapter 3 is a report of the miracle. This is what God did. Chapter 4 is a reflection about what God did. It is a theological reflection. Here's what happened, and here's how it's significant. Okay? So that's how they're different. It's almost as if the writer crossed the river, and of course the writer's writing later, but it's almost as if the writer's writing three, and then he says, wait, hold up, before we move on, we've got to take time to recognize the significance of what God just did. So we go into chapter 4 with a different set of eyes, knowing that God is going to teach us something that he did not teach us in chapter 3, even though they're very similar. So look down at verse 5 as we see Joshua give some instructions that were not necessarily in chapter 3. And Joshua said to them, verse 5, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? You shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So again, we're keeping in mind here that the writer is now reflecting on the miracle of the crossing of the Jordan, and he wants us to reflect on the significance of the event as well. And so he wants to teach us something that was not in three. So the first thing he's going to teach us is, number one, God is very, very specific about the way we should worship him. God is specific. Let this be a sign among you so that when your children ask, what do these stones mean to you? Hey, why don't you just give them an answer about what they mean to you? Is that what he said? He said, no, here's how you will answer. This is the way that you will answer. Because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. Hundreds of thousands of Hebrews had just crossed the Jordan. At least 40,000 of them were armed for battle. And right as they cross, before they go into battle, God commands them, memorialize the event. Now, to orient you to, to where this is taking place, 
Gilgal is the place where the stones are eventually set up. It's five miles west of the Jordan, okay, because they crossed over, they're going west. And so the, the priests take up these stones, and then they walk five miles that day, that evening, and they set up the 12 stones. And one of the meanings for the word Gilgal literally means circle of stones. Okay, so, so that's one of them. So 12 men, that is one from the tribe of Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Joseph, and Benjamin picked them up. They each picked up a giant stone and they walked all the way to Gilgal. And when they get to Gilgal, they stack up these stones and they build an altar to the Lord. So what was this altar for? When we, uh, Chaplain Cook talked a little bit about the altar in the introduction. What was this altar for and why was it so important? Well, altars were places where people would come to worship the Lord, to offer sacrifices to the Lord. To seek forgiveness for sin from the Lord. If you remember Abraham, he built an altar and what did he do? He offered Isaac to the Lord, right? So this is a place where the altar was a place that was of significant importance in the life of Israel. In the same way, you hear us say, the altar is open for you to pray. Now some people think, what are they talking about? The altar. What are they talking about? We're talking about these steps. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about this area. And we're, we, we sometimes open this up and we allow you to come forward. And what are we doing? Symbolically, what are we doing? We are offering ourselves to who? To God. And if you've been in church life long enough, you know that sometimes taking the step out of your aisle and coming forward is the first step in seeing real change in your life. Amen? Sometimes, getting out of your seat and saying, God, I am moving physically towards you, and I am laying myself down. You don't have to lay down up here if you don't want. <laughs> you can kneel. God, I am giving myself to you. Okay? So this altar, this 12-stone altar, was extremely important in their time and in our time it's a very important place where God works in our heart when we're willing to step out from the crowd and move towards God so why was it important specifically that they stack up 12 stones as they make this altar in reflection of the miracle why not one large stone Right? Why not uh, more than 12? I mean, you can make a big pile with stones, right? 12, how, how, how big of a stone y'all think y'all could carry? How big of a stone y'all think I could carry? I could probably carry a pretty big one, right? But five miles, I'm not going far with a big stone, right? So we could assume maybe they were somewhere in this size, right? 12 stones, maybe stacks up to about right here. Not very, not very big, but why 12? Because God wanted his people to remember specifically that he is faithful to fulfill all of his promises to all of Israel. No one is left out. There wasn't one tribe left in the wilderness. Amen? There wasn't one tribe left in Egypt. God was faithful to fulfill his promise to Abraham. I will give this land to your descendants, to all of them. To all of them. 
So he said, this memorial is going to stand here as a visible reminder of my faithfulness. Even though there's 12, and even though that reminds him of the tribes of Israel and God's faithfulness to the 12, the memorial itself is all about God, not Israel. And so God was very specific. He says, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the covenant, the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed the Jordan, so the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So we see that God is very specific about the way that we should worship him. Now, where this takes us is we don't get to define how God is worshipped. We don't get to do that. You've heard people say, you know, I worship God out on the golf course. (laughs) Well, you know, you can get out there and think about God a little bit. But Christ has said that we as a church are to come together as a body and worship him. Amen. So, yeah, sure, you could get out on the golf course and you could think about God. But Christ has commanded us to come together as a body. Amen. And worship. You've heard people say, I worship God the way I want to. I don't need you to tell me. No, you don't. But, <laughs> but God has something to say about it. Amen. God has something to say. And so far as I can tell, throughout the scriptures, he's been very specific about the way that we should worship him. In spirit and in truth, with the proclamation of his word, with all of his people together, in one mind, in one place, with one voice, seeking him. So each of us must be careful to worship God in the way that he has determined. Amen? So we got to remember that God is specific about the way we should worship him. Secondly, there's a purpose behind why he's specific. Look at verse 24. Look all the way down in Joshua 4 at verse 24. So all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. This memorial was intended to remind Israel of God's faithfulness. And while Israel would be constantly encouraged by this memorial, this was a constant offense to the outside world. This memorial said, Israel's God, he is God. The God of the Hebrews, he is the one true God. And so while Israel was encouraged by that, the world was offended. The world would look at that memorial and they would spit on it. The world would look at that memorial and they would curse the name of the Hebrews. They would curse the Hebrew God. So day and night this memorial as it stood there was proclaiming the truth that Israel's God, he is God. Again, this goes back to God's covenant with Abraham. I'm going to use you to bless the whole world. The whole world. And part of that is telling the world about me. And that's what this memorial did. The God of the Hebrews. He is God. There is no God like Israel's God. So there is a purpose, a specific purpose about why God has told us we should worship him in a very specific way. So again, why did Israel need this 12-stone memorial to remember the significance of an event like 
the Jordan standing up in a heap. I mean, you don't see that every day, right? I mean, this was a significant miracle. So why? The answer is simple. They forget. Israel was quick to forget the faithfulness of God. In the wilderness, they forgot that God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt, and they began to worship a golden calf. Literally, in the midst of Moses meeting with God up on the mountain, they built a golden calf. After they had just been delivered, after they had just experienced what? The Red Sea crossing. So they come to the Red Sea, and then immediately they begin to wander. They forgot how bad it was under the Pharaohs. They forgot the oppression that they faced. We won't get to these chapters, but if you read on into chapter 12, nope, 14. By chapter 14, the Israelites in Joshua are already grumbling against God. Already. Already they're forgetting. And you know what they're grumbling about? We're tired of having manna. We're literally tired of having food fall out of the sky. <laughs> hey, you need to look back at that memorial. You need to remember. But if we're honest with ourselves, we read this text and we know that we forget God's faithfulness too. God brings us through a hardship. He gives us yes to the answers to some of our prayers. And within a few days, we forget. Sometimes, even in the very moment of victory, we forget to acknowledge God. This happens to me all the time. I'm just being honest with you. God will do something, and I'll be like, yes! And I'll be thinking all about the implications of what just happened, failing to recognize that God's the one that made it happen. And I go, oh God, thank, thank you Lord, thank you Lord, thank you. Right? We have this tendency to get through these trials and then forget what God's done in our lives. And when we do, just like those Israelites, we begin to become very sinful. This has happened to me more than once. I do. I forget the deeds of the Lord. And I doubt where I stand currently with the Lord. And I doubt where I'm, the Lord wants to take me. I forget that God rescued me from darkness and brought me into his marvelous light. I forget that. I forget that without him I was hopeless and lost. I forget that he overcame my pride and he gave me the gift of faith. I forget that he sent his eternal son to the earth where he would be despised and rejected. I forget that. I forget that he was miraculously born of a virgin. I forget that he lived a perfect, sinless life, totally devoted to God to his very last breath. I forget that. I forget that when all hope seemed lost, the dead body of Jesus Christ began to breathe. Amen? And my salvation was secured on that third day. I forget, just like those Israelites... That God has given me and you a visible reminder of his victory on my behalf. The Israelites have 12 stones, right? We have the Lord's table. 
as a visible reminder of the faithfulness of God in our lives. You see, when we forget the significance of what Christ did for us, we act just like those Israelites and we begin to wonder. We often turn to sinful idols. We become the people that we were before Christ saved us. We do the things that we did before Christ saved us. So we can never forget that Christ stood at a river of sin and shame that was too great for us to cross, (laughs) and he crossed it. He destroyed the sin that stood between us and God, and he reconciled us to God through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He gave us victory. You ought to say amen to that, church. He gave you victory. And so, just like when those Israelites looked at those stones, when we look at this table, I hope that you see victory. Amen? Victory. Not just bread and not just wine. So you see, it's to Christ that we look to, to remember God's faithfulness. We don't look at our health. We don't look at the superficial things. We don't say, oh God, you've kept me healthy, and that's why I'm faithful to you. We don't say, oh God, you've made me prosper, and that's why I'm faithful to you. We don't look at our position or our family or even our church. It is to Christ that we look and say, God, you have been faithful to me. And that's what encourages us, church, to remain faithful now. Not all the peripheral things. So how would God call us to respond to some of these truths today? Well, first we should repent and ask God to forgive us for not remembering his faithfulness. Just like chapter 4 is a theological reflection, this, this is a call for us to theologically reflect, to think about how faithful God has been to you in the course of your life. Knowing that you were headed for hell. 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 And Jesus Christ came and rescued you from that. Some of us today, as in a few moments when we open up this altar, some of us need to move to this altar and spend some time in repentance for forgetting how faithful God has been to us. Some of us need to get in this altar and thank the Lord for his victory of the cross. Dads, maybe some of you need to grab mom and get in this altar and spend some time thanking the Lord for being so faithful to each of you. Mom, maybe today you need to spend some time remembering that it is God who is sufficient, nothing else. That your life can't get better if it's like on Pinterest or Instagram or any of those things. Only God is sufficient for you. And so whatever you may be facing this morning, this altar, just like those 
12 stone, just like that 12 stone altar, will be open for you to move forward and spend some time in prayer and repentance. Secondly, as a visible reminder of God's faithfulness, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. I cannot think of anything more appropriate this morning as we reflect on God's faithfulness in our life because this is the visible reminder that Christ has commanded us to share together. Amen? And since we are opening this altar for a time of repentance, today we will use that same time as a time to examine ourselves as the scriptures teach us in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, It says, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So today, in the moment when we open up this altar, this will be a time for us to examine ourselves. You say, I don't need to come forward today. That's fine. Make an altar right there in your seat and examine yourselves. Finally, some of us here today in the past have looked at this and scoffed. Just like the outside world looked at that 12-stone memorial and they scoffed. Some of us here today don't believe. Some of us here today have come into this place, but God has done something to reconcile us to himself. And today, for the first time in this service, we began to believe for the very first time. Today, as we open up this altar to pray, if you'd like to come forward to receive Christ, you will have that opportunity today. You say, you know what, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what people might think. Listen, the Israelites were afraid when they stood on the River Jordan. Amen? Jesus was afraid when he prayed in the garden. So today, if you're afraid, you're in good company. Amen? I invite you to pray with me. Say through them. Thank you. Father, we thank you for this reminder. The most important reminder of your faithfulness to us. God, you are so good, and today we say thank you, Lord Jesus, for offering yourself on the altar of God, on the cross for our sins, giving your life so that we might live. God, today we thank you for that, and with this supper today, God, we proclaim your sacrifice for our sins. We proclaim the sufficiency of the, the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf for our salvation. We pray all these things and we say thank you in Christ's name. Amen. That was this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast. Please tune in for next week's podcast.